We're going to be doing a study through the book of Job. A study through the book of Job. Now, we're going to talk about a couple different things when we talk about Job. But what's one of the first things that, if we were talking about Job, which many of us look at Job, but it's Job, we think of this guy went through something. This guy went through something. And so in that, going through something, we are going to be blessed because it shows us how we should respond to circumstances. To circumstances. So today, the sermon title is, Why Am I Losing? And I, I didn't want to put too much in the PowerPoint today because I want us to focus on these scriptures that are in Job today. And we really will be going through the first two chapters, as I stated. We're going to be going through uh, the sermon series all the way up to my birthday, June 1st, talking about the book of Job. Talking about this game of life. Talking about why am I losing? Talking about um, uh, should I make an audible? And things of that nature. Talking about those issues. But today, as I stated, we're going to be talking about why am I losing? You ever known a good team? A really good team? Or maybe you want a good team and you have come to a point where you have came to the game. First quarter's going and for some reason, y'all already down by 14 points. Are we talking about football? Are we talking about basketball? You're already down by 30. It's just been the first quarter. You prepared yourself. You practiced. You, did, you ate. You slept. You done all the things right. But for some reason, you're losing in the game. Why am I losing? Job going to him. And let's read that scripture together. And come out, just on to pick out a couple of those scriptures. It says in verse 20, Then Job arose and tore his robe, and shaved his head, and fell to the ground in worship. He said, Naked came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. That's why I want us to stay right here. I want to stay in that mind frame. Through all of this, he didn't blame God, nor did he sin. And Job is going to go through a lot as we study this. The first thing that we need to understand, who was Job? The first verse in Job tells us, Job was a man of earth. Job was a man who was found blameless. He was a man who had money in his pocket. Job, if you saw him today, would be up there with Donald Trump, the Bill Gates of the world. He had money. He wasn't that fake money. Fake money is when you see somebody in the car, they got spinners. When we go to the house, the spinners are more worth, worth, worth more than the house. You ain't got money. You showboating. Real money don't have a showboat on the rims. Real money doesn't have a showboat on all those things. Real money got his stuff together all the way through. So that's real money. Job had real money. Job had cattle. Job had camels. Job had servants. Job had houses. So that's when you know you got real money. When you got more than one house, you got houses for your children. That's real money. Now, I ain't got real money like that. My money is for one location and for that one mortgage. I ain't got that kind of money. Job had real money. His wife probably was a stay-at-home mom and had servants. She didn't have to really be a stay-at-home mom. She was just at the house being served. Job had money. That's some good living. But you know, this is the thing. That even with all that money, a lot of times when we see somebody with money, we're like, well, they want to talk to us. Joe was humble about it. I dare y'all go to Park right now. You're not going to find too many folks where we can even say at Roseland. 
Somebody at Rosen think they got some money, you can't even talk to them. You ain't got to go all the way to Highland Park. You just stay here at Roseland. You think they got a couple dollars in their pocket? They ain't bought them a, a, a Red Baron pizza instead of the generic greater value pizza? They think they got too much. You can't talk to them. They got one spinner. Now all the other ties don't spin. But they got one spinner. You can't talk to them. But look with Job. Job was humbled by his money. Job wasn't flashy. It said that Job was blameless and upright. Now, Job's kids was a fool. Job's kids like to party. Anybody got any children or had children like that? Or maybe you were that child. Like to party. Like to be out there in the scene. See, this morning, they couldn't make it this morning. Because they would have been partying too hard last night. They were still recovering from last night. Probably didn't get in until 6 o'clock. It would have been too much. So Job's kids partied hard. And this is what Job did every morning after he knew they were partying. This is what Job was a good father because he knew about the children. He got up and prayed for his children and gave offering. Saying, just in case y'all party and dishonor God, I'm praying for you. That's, that's a good father. Upright, blameless, no man can say anything. And when you say blameless, that means Job is not saying, oh, you better serve me. You better do this and that. He was humble with his money. He was somebody who probably, if you would have him come to the church, would be giving. Would not ask for anything. Probably would give. Probably would say, Victor, do y'all want your own building today? He probably would do that for us. Just like, and y'all don't have, I don't need to come up front. I just told the pastor. We just bought that property. That kind of Job kind of guy. Job was blameless in front of the Lord. It talks about Job had ten children. Ten, seven sons, and three daughters. And when we get to verse 4 and 5, as I stated, Job prayed for his children because they were out there doing the fool. With all these buckets of money and being well known, that's not what made him great. Now I want y'all to get deep with me today because what made him great was not the money, was not his property, was not his possessions, was not that he had ten children, was not that he could go anywhere and they knew, oh, that's Job. You know, Jerry Jones come in the building, we kind of know who Jerry Jones is. That's Jerry Jones. We all going to look. Job was not that. That's not why God even cared about that. Job was a guy who you knew didn't even put his job in front of his family. Some of the men have worked so hard that it's hard for us to balance. And I'm going through that now. It's hard for us to balance family and the job. But Job found a way to do both. And do both well. So we came to the point where the Lord himself wanted to talk about Job. Because let's skip down to, if you were in Job chapter 1, we're going to skip down to verse 14. And then we're going to get to the meeting that the Satan and the Lord had. In verse 14, Job had all these things. The first thing you see in verse 14, that Job's possessions were being attacked. A messenger came and said that there were some men that came and stole all the oxen and all the donkeys. That he, they, they killed all the servants and that I'm the only one left. So already a cut of Job's possessions. This is one day. The second day came another messenger and said, you know what? There's some fire that came down from heaven and destroyed all the sheep and all the servants that were there. And I was the only one to make it out. 
Then in verse 17, another servant came and said, you know, there's some more folks that came and raided all the camel of my Lord and took all everything and killed all the servants. I'm the only one left. Job had a hundred servants or more. Now he's down to about three. And now this fourth servant came and said, Job, your partying children, the children that did the food, they were crushed to death by a tornado in, a, in their oldest brother's house. Now I want you to know the significance of that oldest brother. The oldest brother, most of the time, many times means I'm supposed to be an example. The oldest brother had led them into some hot mess, some partying, some uh, and what they called a feast. But these feasts, they were more than just a party. It was everything that you wanted and more. Nothing that would honor God at these feasts. And so you see here, Job has received all this information. I've lost everything in a matter of a day. I lost all my possessions. I lost all the things that made me money. I lost my children in a day. And I'm left with four, four servants left and my wife. That's all I'm left with. Now I will ask you, what would you do if you had to deal with the situation? What would you do? Would you do what Job did? Well, why was Job going through this? this he's a good man, isn't he? Well, there was a meeting that occurred. See, many times we look downward or vertical or right here instead of looking upward. We don't look at, at God many times and say, what's going on in my life? But Job had to see a perspective. Because God and Satan had a talk. Satan had come through and walked through the earth and said, you know what? You ain't got nothing down there to be proud about. Came up to talk to the Lord. And the Lord bragged on Job. He bragged on Job said, well, I got somebody. I got somebody who's upright and blameless. Satan himself says, I'm not impressed by the person you talk about. Because say, you know what? If you took his possessions, I bet he would curse you. I bet he would turn his heart from you. And God says, I have full confidence that you can take everything away from him, but he will still understand the value of me. And Satan said, well, come on then. And God said, you know what? I'll allow you to take everything that is his possession, but you may not touch his body. So that's what Satan did. He touched every possession that he had, including his children. Everything that he had gone in one day. Satan had thought he had did the most. Now I want you to understand, God is what? Omnipresent, omniscient. He knows everything. He knows my thoughts. He knows your thoughts right now. What Satan does not know is your thoughts. Satan is not omnipresent. He cannot be in California and in New York at the same time. God can. God, Satan cannot be in Roseland and over in Elm Thicket right now. Satan cannot be in Dallas and Allen at the same time. Satan cannot do that. He is not omnipresent. Now understand this. He got a lot of folks working for him though. Okay. But God himself can be everywhere and anywhere at the same time. That's how powerful God is. The other thing is, Satan can make assumptions about what you can do, but he does not know for sure what you will do. Satan thought I could tempt Jesus and make him turn from God. She said, no, 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 Satan. I will not turn from my father. That's what Satan. Satan is what? The author of lies. He is lying to himself even. So, so with Satan here, he said, you know, I do all these things. I bet he'll curse you. 
But what did he do? Losing all his wealth, losing all his children, everything that had happened to him, what did he do? That's when those verses come. Then Job arose, rent his robe, shaved his head, fell on the ground, and worshipped. He didn't curse God. He didn't reject God. He worshipped. And said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. He said, all this stuff that, that you think is worthy, that you think I should be running for, that you think I should be trying to gain for, I need all your possessions. He said, you know what? I came in here with nothing. I'm going to leave with nothing. All that stuff would not matter in the end. What shall matter? He said, then I will turn. The Lord gave, and the Lord take away. The Lord is my ultimate Lord. See, the Lord is giving me what I need, and he's going to take away what I don't need. Oh, we get frustrated with that, don't we? We don't get frustrated about the giving. We get frustrated with the taking away. Sometimes the Lord got to take away our job. Sometimes the Lord got to take away a loved one. Sometimes the Lord got to take away our health. Sometimes the Lord got to take away certain things. For what reason? The Lord did this to show this. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, why you say that, Pastor? Blessed be the name of the Lord. God is trying to make a point. His main motive in life is to serve God. His, he values the Lord. He does not value possession. Many of us, some of us, have become Christians so we simply can get to heaven. No. I've said it many times. The worst thing about hell is that God won't be there. The worst thing. The worst thing is not the hellfire. It's not the gnashing of teeth. The worst thing, because we have never experienced a day where God was not in our life. I don't care how most biggest drug dealer you are or, or the biggest person on the street doing whatever you're doing. You have never experienced a day without God. But there will come a day, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you will, that you will experience that day without the Lord. So, so we get there, and what's the best part about heaven? It's not the gold streets. It's not the mansion. The best part about heaven is that you are in the presence of the Lord. You are with God Almighty. The best part about heaven is not seeing mama again or grandmama or whomever. It's about seeing the one that loved you first and loved you always and never wavered on his love, including he gave his only son to you. The best part about heaven is not the gold streets because the truth is if we had gold streets here in Dallas, there'd be a lot of us breaking up the street, won't we? We'd be going to the pawn shop. I got to go to the pawn shop. I've give me that money. We'll break it up. So the gold streets don't mean nothing. The mansion don't mean nothing. The extra rooms don't mean nothing. The no sorrow, the no this and that, don't mean anything because the best thing about it is I'm with the person that loved me the most. So Satan was proved wrong that just because you took my possession, just because you took my children, does not mean I will not bless the Lord. So, he revealed this to the Lord and also to Satan. Now, now I want us to understand, events do not make us suffer. It's how we respond to it. Let me say that again. Events do not cause suffering. It is our response to those events. 
which causes suffering. What do I mean? It's not me losing my job while I'm suffering. It's how I'm going to react to losing a job that I'm suffering. If I'm going to sit back and woe is me, woe is me, they doing me wrong. I can't believe that. This week, and I truly believe every time that I'm preparing a sermon, the Lord prepares the way. Because on Monday, I was having a good day. Oh, I was having a good day. I felt good, too. I, I'm like, man, it's a great day. By 2.30, I'm coming back to work from lunch. I'm like, it's been a great day. I've gotten a lot of things accomplished today. It's been a great day. 2.30, I'm on Lemon Avenue, and this guy darts out on Reagan Street, right on Lemon Avenue. There is not a stop sign on Lemon Avenue, and the stoplight is not there either. He darts out. I hit him head on in my truck. The guy pulls over to the side. I get on the phone with 911. Hey, I've been in an accident. Can we get police out here? Well, y'all need to trade information. I don't think he wants to trade information with me. Well, why you say that, sir? Well, they look in the car. I think they about to get back in the car. Ma'am, I think he about to drive off now. Ma'am, he's gone. Ma'am, can you send police to you? Because he was banged up. The car was banged up, but they took on all. Had to wait another three or some odd hours. Tried to call multiple people. Could not get a hold of anybody. Until a little bit later, police, as you already know, how long police going to take? About an hour or two? I don't know what police, you know, I work for the city. I don't know what the police are doing. You think everybody get murdered in the city of Dallas. Ain't nobody get murdered that much in the city of Dallas. You think everybody robbing the store. Ain't nobody robbing the store that much. What are y'all doing every day? But that's a side note. So, waited there, and so they took my, my truck. A lot of people had talked about my truck since. Should you just go and get another truck? Are you serious? That truck been steady ready for too long. It's going to be coming back in the good graces one day. So, that was gone. Then, on Wednesday, I got a promotion at the job. That's a blessed event. But I have not enjoyed that promotion since that day, uh, including that day. Because on that day, I was challenged on why did I get the promotion? Did I get a promotion for certain reasons? Was it affirmative action? Was it this and that? It, it, it challenged, am I even working? Things of that nature. Some of the things that, some ugly things were said that I couldn't believe that people would say in an open environment. So, it's been a little stressful. Joe went through a lot more, didn't he? The things that made him money, the things that paid the bills were gone. The children that he loved, all ten, were gone. I remember a young lady in college, our first semester, it was November of that year, she liked to go out and party. Liked to go out and party. And on that weekend, I said, won't you stay home and stay at the dorms this weekend? No, I'm going to go one more night. One more night, I won't party. That night, she was taken advantage of. That night, all her friends left her. That night, no one believed her story. Only me and her mother. She was broken. I cried out to God, why? Why would you allow this to happen? I remember talking to my mother that night, and she said, you know what? God has a plan through all of this.
Satan may think he has a plan for your life. He may think he has a way to destroy you. But understand this. My God overrules anything he wants to put down as a verdict. God will overturn anything that he thinks he has put a stronghold in your life. If all you would do is just give your life to him. I said, all right. I understand that. My pastor, later on, through another season, said, God does not allow you to go through anything for nothing. See, that's what we're scared of, aren't we? We're going through something for nothing. Am I just getting beat up for nothing? Am I just losing for nothing? Am I losing this job? Am I losing this family? Am I losing my mind for nothing? My pastor reassured me and said, God allowed you to go through these things, these storms, these seasons, so that you can grow in his name. So that he can prepare you for the next moment, for the next great test, for the next great thing that he has for you. God is preparing you. And sometimes God is allowing you to go through things so your right mind can come back this way to him. Sometimes God's going to allow you to get locked up so you can get uh, near yourself, by yourself, so you can focus on him. Sometimes God's going to allow that man to step out that door because God said, I needed him to go so I could go and minister to you. Because this man was bringing nothing but heartache and storms in this house. Sometimes God is going to allow us to lose our jobs because we were too scared to go for another job. We were too comfortable at this job because we knew everything and knew everybody. But God says, I had a better paycheck over there. But you wanted to be comfortable over here. Many times God is saying, I want us to walk on water. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? God is always pushing us to our trust level. He wants to grow that. So, Satan had another meeting with the Lord. The Lord again was boastful in Job. This is how he did, right? Job lost everything, but he what? He honored me, didn't he? He's only done that, Satan said, because you, you uphold his health. God said you can touch his health. I'm going to tell you what he's going to do. He's still going to honor me. You may not take his life, but you may touch his health. He came at this point where he had boils on his body, looking like open sores. It hurt so much that he was taking broken pottery and scraping the sores because he was in so much pain. His wife at that point in time said, you know what, you should curse God and die. Now I want you to understand, he came to a point where he can't even speak to his wife regularly. Because it said that his breath had got so bad that it, it became loathsome. That means he came bad. It means like, whoo, step back bro, just write on a piece of paper. It had gotten that bad. The body had gotten bad. Think about his health going down. No longer could they comfort one another during the storm. She's lost all her children. This man cannot hug her anymore. All these sores on him. They cannot talk anymore. His breath is so bad. His, he's mourning and he does not know why. But he's continually saying God has something good and great for us. And she says, you know what? You need to just curse God and die. That's all right. But Joe's response was very classy. Don't be a fool. Don't be ungodly. Don't be foolish. Don't be, don't, don't be like everyone else. 
Understand, God still has us. Now understand, when Job is saying this, he's saying this with everything on his body. He's broken, and he's saying, God still has us. God still has us. Some of us will break down and leave the church, leave God at the moment's notice. See, we can't be in this, this game of life, for a simple pleasure. That's how Satan works on us. He was like, you know what, I can give you this. God not working with you. We can't leave God because we got the diagnosis. We can't leave God because this man don't want to do right. We can't leave God because the money has gotten tight. We can't leave God because people have the job talking about us like a dog. We can't leave God. If anything, that's when we need to walk closer with the Lord. We can't leave God. Satan is not interested in our money. He's not interested in your, your health, your cars. The only thing Satan cares about is causing division between you and God. Why is that? Because if you leave God, you're going to serve him. Because in his head, he's a king. He is a king in his head. So Satan wants to bring that division. He brought that division between Adam and Eve and God. He wants to do the same with us. He wants to bring discord. Don't you understand that Satan comes to church every day? Every day church doors open, he's somewhere. If he's not there, somebody who's a part of his business structure is there. Satan don't miss, no, we'll miss church, won't we? We'll, uh, it's raining, oh, I, I got to stay in. But you just live around the corner, I got to stay in now. It's raining. I want to catch a cold. Satan will come through the sleet, the snow, and everything else simply to cause discord in our houses, in our church houses, in our families, at the job. He wants to cause a division for you not to trust the Lord and for you to trust yourself, for you to trust everything else and not trust God. He wants us to trust our possessions. He wants us to trust our new house. He wants us to trust our new car. He wants us to trust, you know, if I get the job, if I get this degree, then everything will be better. He wants us to trust the promotion. But he does not want us to trust God. Because if we trust God, it's going to mean something too much. It means that we're going to be with him. It means that I truly value the Lord. He wants to cause the division. He does not want us to be with the Lord. But Job still had victory. Through all of this, through all of this, he said, shall we receive good at the hand of the Lord and shall we not receive evil? Do we only want to be with God because we're going to have good things? I never want us to be a church that says, if you put $10 in the pot, then you're going to get $100 out. It's not biblical, and it sets you up for a big failure. I don't want y'all to believe in karma. I don't want y'all to believe, well, if I do right to him, then something right going to happen to me. That's not, that's not biblical. Job was a good man, a righteous man. He did everything right. But look what happened to him. So, this is not karma. There's no karma. That's not biblical. It's not in the Bible. It's man-made to fool us. All God wants you, he don't want you to trust what you put in the ground. He wants you to trust him nurturing what you put in the ground. He wants you to trust, he doesn't want you to trust your steps. He wants you to trust him guiding you through all the storm. So after all of this, God is in control. That's the other thing he wanted his wife to understand. 
Sometimes Satan is very powerful, but we give Satan too much power. Ultimately, God is in control. Satan cannot do anything to me that God won't allow. And understand this, Satan's so foolish and so ignorant and so stupid and so lying to himself, he does not understand he's even doing work for the Lord. That he's bringing me closer to the Lord, even though Satan's trying to come at me. He's bringing me closer to in my prayer time. I will tell you my prayer life this week has gotten a lot better. I cannot speak out like I want to. I said I had to be on my Jacob Robinson this week. Because folks is talking, and I can't do the talking back. I have to hold my tongue and wait till the Lord tells me to speak. Wait till the Lord and show me how I should act. Show me what I should say. I need to be in the Lord's provision and not my own. Because I'm going to tell you on Wednesday, I want to let them know what it was. On Thursday, I want to I let them know who I am. On Friday, I want to let them know, I'll write your tail up. Because now I'm a supervisor. But God said, no, we ain't going to act like that. We're not going to be like that. We're not going to come out of our flesh. We will walk in our spirit. God was saying, I want you to stay steady with me. Oh, it's been tough. I'm not going to tell you after these calamities that it's wrong to cry. Don't you understand Job cried? Don't you understand Job mourned? Don't you understand Job hurt? But Job ultimately understood God still got my back. So when it, it seems like I'm losing, God is saying, no, baby, you're really winning. What the world may see as you're losing, God is saying, no, you're winning because I'm making your spirit stronger. You're winning. You're winning. So it's all right to let the tears flow while calamity comes. And last, trust in the Lord. Trust in the goodness of God. Let him be your treasure and your joy. Don't give up, but hold on to God. Does anybody this morning trust on the Lord? Is anybody this morning a little bit shaken in your trust in the God? You don't know where it's supposed to happen. You don't know where your life is supposed to be going. You've been a little bit lost. I'm telling you this morning, you will be lost forever if you do not trust in the Lord. You will be lost forever if you do not trust in the Lord. If you don't trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to be lost. So why not this morning put your trust in him? Because this is the thing about putting your trust in the Lord. Oh, if I put my trust in the Lord, that same trust helped Moses cross the Red Sea. If I put my trust in the Lord, that same trust that David had with a slingshot knocked out a giant. That same trust in the Lord. What did it do? It put Daniel in a lion's den and no lion touched him. That same trust in the Lord. Put three Hebrews in a fiery furnace. But you know what? There was no sin on them. And at the end of it, that says four folks walking in there. I thought we put three. Because the Son of God was trying to walk with them. If you put your trust in the Lord, that I know as Peter walked on water because Jesus said, come to me, you can do the same. If you put your trust in the Lord, all the things that you think cannot go right, God can turn the crooked road straight. If you put your trust in the Lord, don't put your trust in me. Don't put your trust in the church. Don't put your trust in all of us and yourself. Put your trust in God. And see how he works it out. See what he will do. See how he will transform your life. I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. But I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Put your trust in the Lord. We're about to open the doors of the church. And I want y'all to understand. I want you to understand deeply. By putting your trust in the Lord. That your life forever will be changed. It was something that, it was something that Job understood. He understood 
that if I put my trust in the Lord, I might have lost everything. This is not the end of our series, right? Because we're going to get to the end when he's been blessed. But I'm going to put my trust in the Lord because God was good to me before and God's going to be good to me during and he's going to be good to me after the storm. Won't you put your trust in the Lord today? Amen? The doors of the church are open. If there's anybody who wants to come and accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, let today be your day.